0: Hello, welcome to another episode of the Hope Motivates Action podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Recknell, and I have my friend and soon to be yours, Tarun Singh here with us today. Hello, my friends.
1: Hello, Lindsay. Thanks for having me here.
0: I, I am so, so happy to have you here. Um, you are one of my favorite people. I We met by chance. We met by awesome circumstance and i just have so much um admiration and i really just like how your brain works your compassion (laughs) your intelligence uh your curiosity all of those things has been such a delight to get to know over the last couple of years and i think you have a really cool cool story to tell and i can't wait for other people to hear it so thanks for joining us
1: thank you i'm very flattered
0: (laughs) So Tarun and I met uh, because I would host these monthly Hope chats, and for those of you in Calgary who have attended a Hope chat, they are these cool gatherings of random people who get together to talk about all things Hope related, and. Who knows where those conversations go, right? I mean, we've talked about the meeting you came to that we met. I remember talking with Liz and Tanya about food and community and the community of Boness. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit of politics and wrapped all up in what it means to be hopeful and what um what those what community and food and politics mean in creating that hopeful future. And um I just it was it was a real a real foundation of what I think is a really cool friendship. Um, but you had a lot of really insightful things to to talk about. and you had a really good story you shared with us about how you came to Calgary, how you um, came to Canada, and what your kind of, but your kind of hope for your life was before you got here. And I'm wondering if you could share a little bit of your story with us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Would love to. But just going to go back to the random people. I don't think it was all that <laughs> random at all. I think it is all very deliberate.
0: Well, I, whatever it is chance, del- deliberation, serendipity, whatever it mm-hmm. is, I'm glad it
1: happened. Yeah. Or as Forrest as comfort put it, a little bit of both.
0: Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So do you have a story you can share with us? Uh,
1: a story centered on hope. Certainly, you know, when you talk about what gives you hope and what, how you get to hope, uh, there's a lot of uh, looking at others and being jealous of them and trying to be like them and then, changing your life in ways so that's better tomorrow than it is today. So it's got a lot lot of that going. Um, and, of course, like you may have heard me speak on this before, a lot of it is backed by data. So data and anecdotes and people telling you what their life is or uh, what their life was like. So moving from India to Canada was one of those not random at all decisions it is probably the most difficult decision i could have uh, taken back when i did and similarly moving from toronto to calgary again was backed by people talking about what calgary was to them even you know anybody who'd been in calgary for any length of time was absolutely in love with Calgary so and that backed by all any statistic I could find about Calgary it really put it at the very top um, and I was I was probably I was looking for this place and this place was looking for me and it is it kind of a conjunction it is a meeting of I wouldn't say minds but it, it's a uh, if you want to say random it's it's if it's destiny. Yeah, it was the most preordained destiny you could call it. But yeah, I was I was looking for a place like this, and I hope I can stay long enough to call it home.
0: What is it about Calgary that drew you here? Like, what were people saying? What did you learn?
1: Uh, lots of li- little things. Um, you know, I moved from New Delhi, where the air pollution had gotten so bizarre, and it still is. That I was looking for someplace green. I didn't want to go out into the rural areas to find a uh, decent livable space, and Toronto was just not cutting it in terms of in terms of the overall environment, not just the air. Um, and what I heard people say about Calgary was it's a little more laid back than Toronto. And I, you know, moving from New Delhi, I I was done with living in a megalopolis. Site. I just didn't like a, a massive city like that. And which the GTA kind of mirrors it. Um, no, having no traffic jams is a cherry on top.
0: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Well, and I mean, the West is highly superior to the East, but you know, as a born and bred Calgarian, I'm a bit biased. <laughs>
1: <laughs> only a little i think all calgarians are biased and so that's the that's a big thing too uh you'd find people move from one place to the other and rarely do you have anyone say uh, speak good things about the places they've all you know already been uh, if if you're not there you're not really biased to speak for it but calgarians within calgary and outside of calgary all have nice things to say and Calgary does off, offer all of those things. In fact, once I got here I found Calgary is much better than I was told, <laughs> <Amazing>. which is <laughs> not not something that happens uh, often with anything really.
0: I was going to ask you if if it <laughs> met your expectations. So I'm happy to hear that it did.
1: <laughs> Far exceeded, yeah. <laughs>
0: Amazing. I
1: mean the the access to nature in terms of urban parks and uh, the mountains. Uh, just sitting by the river, which is unthinkable if you're in a suburb of Toronto or anywhere else. Really, I, I've heard BC kind of beats us in those aspects, but uh.
0: <laughs> I know my mother is listening to this episode, so mom. <laughs> I know you're nodding your head and agreeing with Tarun, but never mind.
1: (laughs) I've never been, so I'm not going to make the comparison.
0: Oh, oh, don't go. You may never come back. It is beautiful. (laughs) My dad was posting on Facebook today, the crocuses and the tulips that are popping out of the ground. And we are in the middle of a snowstorm and it's minus 20. So don't go there. You might not actually come back.
1: <laughs> okay. If I do go, I'm going to pack really, really nicely. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So I'm happy to hear that it met your expectations because like you say, so often the reality does not match what, in, uh-huh. what we build it up to in our heads. Um I Remember when you told me that you were like well, your story of your history of how you came here and how intentional you were about where what community you chose to live in when you got here when you got to Calgary. Um, could you share a little bit about that part of your story as well?
1: Uh, you mean which part of the city? Uh, yeah. Or so yeah, um, certainly, you know, where I'm gonna live, so a little context to that, that is um, I used to advise investors in India on where to buy real estate. So I had to develop a knack for where the best real estate is. And then going, you know, diving deep into that, I had to start thinking about why that real estate is worth what it is. So that brought me to the conclusion that, uh, you know, there are things more important than just money or property, and property can come in very Various forms. One of those forms, and I, I hold hold this very dearly, is the flow of ideas. So I didn't want to go out into the suburbs or the far suburbs or into communities that were siloed or you know where you had maybe a, one ethnicity or maybe uh, one any one kind of people, which would which would essentially mean I'm living in an eco chamber. That's that's certainly something I did not want to go into. I wanted to be, uh, you know, actively seek out a place where I could have a multitude of opinions, uh, you know, clash into them, even if I wasn't agreeing with them. Uh, and and so one way to do that is to live in a place where there isn't a homogeneity in people. Of of any kind, whether it be race or uh, religion or any other any other demographic, and so uh, you know, diving into it, I found the the city of Calgary is kind of split into two cities. One is the inner city Calgary, which is a mishmash, uh, a melting pot of all cultures, and then there's the rest of Calgary, which is which has its own silos. Some are, some are stark, some not so much, but yeah, it's uh, that was that was my driving force in looking at where I want to live.
0: I just love the intentionality of that. Like you know that's something when I think about you and your character, intention is something that is a light bulb in my head goes off uh, all the time when I think of when I think of that with you. Um, do you think that living your life with intention has been the key to your success so far in your short time on earth?
1: It has and it hasn't. Um, So what you're calling living with intentionality is also intentionally going against the flow or intentionally sidestepping the flow. And you'd be surprised more often than not that doesn't really uh, sit well with a lot of people. And...
0: Not surprised, you know. although, by the way, not
1: surprised. <laughs> the The results take take a long time in coming, so sometimes you, you, you yourself would lose hope. You, yourself would be sometimes you forget where where you were headed. Um, so, living with intentionality is kind of the opposite of going with the flow. It's not always everyone's cup of tea
0: totally fair <laughs> totally fair I mean you probably have some good experiences and some pretty good adventures
1: definitely yeah, yeah. Um, again b- if the adventures were successes there were uh, an equal number of uh, failures or misadventures to offset them <laughs> and <laughs> it's it's just uh, for a while you know what when I when I started out from India with you know two bags and a suitcase i was prepared for living through hell i was prepared to make it through to the other side you know i said i'm gonna give myself three years uh, and this isn't a random number or random length of time i just looked at other people's stories uh, and in the modern era in the 21st century immigrants go through uh, at least three or well at the very least 18 months of intense struggle once they move so i was prepared for for a whole lot more that never really came my way i looked out like that
0: because of your intention i feel like and your preparedness and all of those things that's awesome well i'm happy whatever landed you here i'm happy that you're here thank you so, so we've talked a lot about hope whether it's at hope chat or walking at the river or just in regular conversation what's your definition of
1: hope I, you know what? Um, I borrowed your definition of hope—the <laughs> <laughs> the assumption that it's going to be better, if not tomorrow, some 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 duration down the down the road. It's it's just not faith. It's just not blind faith. It's um, the assumption that it's going to be better based on uh, at least a sense of facts, if not facts alone. That's that's my definition of hope
0: yeah the almost that you can take control over the things that you do the research that you've done the intentionality i realize i'm using that word a lot but um yeah the future will be better than today by taking action over the things you can control and definitely um i know you to be someone who takes action who learns and looks for the things that will move you towards that hopeful future so you definitely not only um understand that definition but you also model that behavior out loud um and and hope it, as we know hope is contagious so i feel like other people would be um would see that journey in you your friends your family whatever to um to also move them towards a hopeful future which is pretty cool
1: I think if I if I had a second crack at defining hope, um, I'd say it's faith rooted in realism mm-hmm. uh, or tempered by facts, <laughs> uh, because I, I was brought up in a very faith-oriented household, and it was just a lot of the blind faith that you would not associate with hope or agency or action at all, and, you know, growing up, I... I could have either gone with that flow or or chosen to be me. And of course I did me and I, I, I became a skeptic instead. And, and I added probably more than a healthy dose of realism to that face.
0: But it's that uh, the healthy dose of realism that separates the optimist from the the hopeful, right? The, Hmm. the, so I believe that there's a difference between being optimistic and being hopeful. And and the optimism is that kind of blind faith, is that just blind belief that it's go, everything's going to work out the way that it should, and I'll let the world take care of it, and I'm going to win the lotto without buying a ticket. Mm-hmm. Or the hopeful person who takes action, who learns, who buys the lotto ticket to help them along the way to that more hopeful future
1: yeah yeah but probably not the one that goes all the way to the other end and then kind of tries to game the lotto itself
0: (laughs) yeah no probably not hello i don't know i don't know (laughs) where that fits on the spectrum (laughs) might have to think about that one a bit longer
1: (laughs) i think i think it falls more towards intentionality than anything else (laughs) fair enough
0: uh where have you seen hope lately
1: i think in 2021 it's everywhere not just because of the low bar that 2020 set, but for me personally, um, the things I see in society and politics uh, do definitely give me a healthy dose of real optimism. Um, I found the major environmental changes in not just in the environment, per se, but all the changes in global society, in in the, um, what's it called, the human condition. The realization that we're all connected and we're not different people. And it's just different shades of the same race. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if you're in Siberia or Africa or Canada or India we're all connected that realization has come to us i think for the first time in a hundred years and this time we're all connected like like you and i are right now but this time we're all connected in you know in real time Mm -hmm. and the flow of ideas is quick and now we're now it's this idea that we're just one people is no longer limited to philosophers and that's, those major changes at first took away hope. And then, you know, before these changes came about or, or completed their circle, now they've now that they have come full circle, it's it's given me a lot of hope.
0: As we're sort of out of that, um, so there's something called disaster psychology. Mm-hmm. And there's nine stages of disaster psychology. And as you can imagine, the very first, first, like the beginning stages are quite chaotic and quick moving and, you know, we're very re- reactive. Um, and then as you move through those stages, it gets to be more proactive and it gets to be more hopeful. And it feels mm-hmm. like that's kind of what you're describing as we're, you know, we're recording this in February, 2021. And we're, someone told me this week, 47 weeks into the pandemic, And um, it's taken us that long to come through those stages. And, yeah, I totally agree with you. I feel quite a hopeful sense that we are settling into something cool and connected and the flow of ideas and things like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think we we can safely call it the stage of acceptance in this disaster.
0: Totally. Yeah. And... Almost, and I can't remember what the actual stages are called, but there's a stage of innovation, I think, that's mm-hmm. going on now, um, where we're not just feeling like this is happening to us, but we're embracing the opportunities that it's given us for global connection and things like that. Um, and I know ideas and innovation are big, a are big, something you thrive on and something you think about a lot. Um, what role do you think innovation plays in HOPE?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I was about to come to a similar point myself, is what, what also gives me hope is going back and being able to see if, you know, adverse events like this have happened before. And of course they have now, you know, we have written history, so we know there has been a pandemic before, there have been economic recessions before. um we know, at least in the 1960s, racial tensions were, uh, you know, as big of a concern as they are today. Um, probably not the environmental aspect. We, we probably that's a first for humanity. But on those four fronts, we know, without an iota of doubt, unless you're a flat earther, uh, we know that that we've faced these challenges before. And some we overcame, some we brushed under the carpet. But then, uh, even if we failed in tackling these challenges before, uh, we know what to what to not what not to do this time around. So uh, innovation, um, backed by knowledge, by certain knowledge that we've come through this before, are. On the other hand, if, I, if we haven't, it's possible. Just a certain knowledge that, that a problem can be solved by by humans, that that's enough to give you enough hope to innovate away those problems. And I'd say innovation is, is the second intentional step. The first one has to be just finding that intent. And how do you find intent to... Uh, solve away your problems is to go back and see if not the exact same problems have these ha- has this nature of problem existed before and what was done about it and so that's that's probably more methodical than sentimental, uh, but that's me. That's, that's how I would ta- tackle it. And I, I don't think you can have sentimental innovation unless you're talking about, uh, crazy hormones and manipulating yourself that way. <laughs> 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 but if you have to innovate, you'll, you'll have to be, uh, methodical, uh, to be innovative to to especially to tackle the bigger problems. And if you're going to be hopeful, yeah. Yeah. Break it down.
0: Totally. I, I mean, how can you take action without knowing what steps to take without being methodical about, about knowing what questions you're, you're looking to solve and what solutions are available to you and all of those things. Um, yeah. I, I like what you said about, about um, innovation being, being intentional and methodical. I think, I think it has to be. Yeah. I think it has to be.
1: But also when you say, what steps to take, that's also a secondary phase you want to be in, the first phase. And I'm borrowing uh, a phrase from a, a chess grandmaster, I think his name is Copa Blanca. I'm, I'm probably mispronouncing it. Yeah. Um, he says, uh, the first thing you need to do in order to win the game is to know the end game. So if before you make, you know, before you take any steps, you need to have that vision of the end goal it's got to be a rough vision it can't be very precise but you have to arrive at a vision uh, especially true for massive undertakings like just uprooting yourself from where you were born and knew everyone and and saying goodbye to your parents you've got to know what it's Going to look like once you land in this strange cold land. <laughs> or, cold being or... the
0: optimum word there
1: <laughs> <laughs> today, especially. Um, or, or if you're going to uh, solve radical challenges like uh, racial inequality uh, or, or you know, poverty across the world, then you need to have a, a fair assessment of what it's going to look like. Probably not, not exactly visually but what's the end goal going to look like and once you have that in mind then you you're probably better placed to reverse engineer the steps you want to take and find out what are my what are the pathways what is what is the the universe of first steps i can take again probably too methodical for some
0: <laughs> but you proving out hope theory you just talked about hope theory and which i know you are you are familiar with but for those who haven't heard of me talk about hope theory yet, it's uh, goals plus agency thinking, which is your why, plus pathways thinking, which is your, which is your how. Um, and you, that's what, you, I mean, you just described that, you're right, you, you set the goal, that future vision, that objective. And of course, the more complicated it is, the longer away it is, the fuzzier it's going to be. Then you connect to the why, the reason you do it, your agency, because what you're going to need that when it gets hard, when you're solving, you know, mm-hmm. parity across the globe, that's hard and complicated. And, and when you hit those roadblocks, you need to connect to something about uh, why it matters to you so that you can keep going. And then of yeah. course, executing on your pathways thinking, which is how you're going to overcome the barriers that are going to get in the way. I mean. That is hope theory right there. That is what, how to increase hope levels right
1: there. Right. It couldn't
0: Th- get more for... methodical.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's uh, yeah, It having those terms laid out for me uh, when I first met you and discovered hope theory and, and all of this, um, that's made life so much easier and put so much context into uh, what I'm doing, where I am at, because especially at the time, or even at the on the day that I met you, uh, that was kind of the end of the first phase of my journey. Uh, it had been nearly a year since I'd left home, you know, what what, what I used to know as home, and uh, there's there was this fog of what time means to me, what places mean to me, where I am, where am I in the world? And having that methodical framework to identify hope and finding your why and finding your pathways and, and kind of determining where you are and how you want to get there, it it put my life it's, you know, into such an autopilot ease that I can't thank you enough for it.
0: Amazing. I love, I love to hear that because I mean, anybody who talks to me about this topic knows that I really believe hope has a PR problem. <laughs> and I think <laughs> uh, <laughs> because, because when I say the word hope, people who don't know me, who don't listen to this show, who don't know about positive psychology and the science of hope, they go, what are you going to talk to me about God and faith and airy fairy cosmic woo woo? Maybe maybe, <laughs> or I'm going to talk to you about science and intention and structure and the power of all of those things wrapped in together. Um, because there is a real power. It's legit. It's how your brain works. And you can, you can find that, um, that resolve in the structure of it all, the, in the power of it all. And it's, okay. yeah, I love to hear, I love to hear how much you get it, um, and not just because you hang out with me and I talk about it all the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> do you, let me ask you, do you ever get bored of talking about hope? What do you, what do you do when you when you, okay, you wake up one day and you decide, okay, for the next three hours, I'm not going to talk about hope. What do
0: you do? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that that's ever going to be a thing. Okay. Um, it would be like asking me to stop talking about books or, okay. <laughs> you know, asking me to stop talking about dogs. I feel like those, those things are just never going to happen. People ask me why I got into this line of work. And my answer is, and will always be this work found me. Like, I remember very clearly how validated I felt, how like comforted I felt, how I just felt like I arrived in this place where I should be when I learned about the science of hope. Um, it is, it is me, it is in me, it is who I am. And I'm not sure, sorry people, uh, that I'm ever
1: (laughs) going to stop talking about
0: (laughs) because truly if I can have an impact on you and I know that there's other people that have shared similar sentiments, um, if I can continue to have that kind of impact, it's only going to enrich my life. And so I love, yeah, I love that part.
1: Oh yeah, and I think you gotta well, you gotta always remember that you have network effects, and uh, the impact that you have on me, I whip it into my friends too. So it, it goes a long way further than just the people you know uh, or the people who get it back to you. I'm I'm definitely sure everyone who gets impacted uh, or listens to you or or you know even looks at one of your social media posts, I'm definitely sure um, an overwhelming majority of us pass it on, pass it forward.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. That makes me feel nice. Because uh, hope is absolutely contagious. Uh, we see it in other people. We recognize it in other people. And um, that, that joy, that hopefulness, that zest for the future is definitely contagious. And so uh, keep passing it on, would you?
1: yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> what do you do when or when i when i say what do you do in general what does one do when it gets overwhelming when you know thinking about hope is not or a hopeful future is not it just doesn't land on the agenda what do you, what does one do to break through that um, bubble of whatever opposite of hope is
0: hopelessness or despair Um, so a couple of three things off the top of my head that I have used in my own life that I know have worked for me at various times and they don't all work all the time. So take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt, try them, see if they work, try something else that doesn't work. Um, but the three things that came to mind first off, one is to focus on what you can control because so much around us feels like it's happening to us that it's out of our control that there's other forces that are affecting our circumstances but if you really think about it and go 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 inward a bit there is still so much that you can control and it doesn't matter how big or small those things are the fact that you can uh feel like you have some control or take some control over one aspect of your life, that'll go a long, long way in building confidence to look for the next thing, right? If you practice doing hard things, the next hard thing just becomes that much easier. So I would say, look for things you can control. Um, and, and that even just could be things like brushing your teeth in the morning or having a shower or those kinds of things that, uh, Once you do them, you can feel that sense of accomplishment for doing. Um, It's kind of related to that is they don't have to be big things. So if you feel like you cannot possibly get out of bed today, it is too hard. Okay. Start by wiggling your toes. Once Once you've wiggled your toes, try to knock your knees. Once you knock your knees, you know, maybe wiggle your hips and eventually you're out of bed taking all those little steps to get there. But again, one step will build on the next, will build on the next, will build on the next. Um, Go as small as you need to go to get that first step of of accomplishment towards that better future. Um, And then the third thing is go find the most hopeful person you know and hang out with them for a bit. Borrow their hope. Because one day when you are feeling... Your most hopeful self. You are going to find someone, or someone's going to seek you out that isn't feeling their most hopeful self, and you can pay it forward. When you Mm -hmm. aren't feeling so good, go find someone who is, and just borrow from them for a bit.
1: And at the same time, if you're not feeling so good, and there's a there's someone that sucks away hope from you, maybe uh, avoiding them is a good idea.
0: Yes, exactly. The opposite of hanging out with hopeful people. Get out of get out of the way of the negative people because. The, I don't know if you've ever seen that um, picture image of the moldy fruit in the bowl of beautiful fruit and how over time, like really quick time, the mold takes over the good fruit. Mm-hmm. Biologically, that happens. But if you think of that as analogy for the people you surround yourself with and that one negative person will cover you in their gross, disgusting mold in no time. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. may you probably won't even notice how quickly it's happening. So get yourself out of that negative situation and/or go find the most hopeful person you know.
1: Now, for the people who are stuck in those moldy situations who cannot, even and not for the lack of trying, who cannot pull themselves away from those moldy people. What what is and that's gonna suck out not just hope, that's gonna suck out any. feeling of agency um you know ho- the hopelessness and despair is going to set in if uh, somebody's trying really hard but they just can't get themselves out of that situation they know what they need to do and they're doing it and they're trying different ways and but they can't what's what's your advice to people who need to survive long enough to get out of there
0: other than the things i just suggested on focusing on the things you can control because if mm-hmm. you if you're feeling like you can't control getting out of that negative situation, there are going to be things that you can control. Um, whether it's surrounding yourself with double of the positive people to counteract the negativity, mm-hmm. or um, if you're looking for planning the planning the escape route um mm-hmm. right identifying that escape route and planning for it I think of um the movie where he digs out of jail
1: Shashang, Redemption.
0: right where he drops the and spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen it if you've been living in a cave who hasn't um, yet? <laughs> <laughs> under a rock whatever um
1: well actually Uh, there's an entire generation that was born after that movie came out. So there might be, there might be
0: kids. (laughs) Well, in the movie, he digs a tunnel, an escape tunnel using a spoon. Imagine. And over however many years he was in jail for, um, you know, so plan your escape route and then execute on that escape route while you're busy surviving, because that'll give you purpose. That'll give you a mission. That'll give you, Something to hold on to and something to take action on, even when it doesn't feel like there's anything to take action on. Um, And it sucks. And it totally sucks when you're in that place where you don't feel like you can do anything. Just start something. Just do one thing. That's it. Just one thing.
1: So the lack of hope is a lot like incarceration then
0: <laughs> possibly <laughs> <Yeah>. possibly
1: <laughs> especially wrongful incarceration <laughs> exactly. building on the shawshank redemption theme yeah. and yeah that's that's a good uh, analogy to find yourself in if, if you know you're in the wrong situation sharing space or energies with a moldy person or moldy anything and you know your energies are getting sucked out i think it's it's a for for a visual person like me it's good to visualize yourself you know just um locked up in (laughs) and wrongfully locked up at that and what you what would you do to escape this mental prison or what would you not do
0: Get yourself a spoon and start digging.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I should write that one down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Lindsay Recknell quote of the day. (laughs) Tarun, as always, I have loved our conversation. You have made me laugh. You have made me think. All of those things. Um, Thank you so much for joining us, joining me, joining us today and uh, sharing your insight and telling a little bit of your story with us. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: I will talk to you again soon. I hope you enjoyed this latest episode of the Hope Motivates Action podcast. These episodes are a labor of love. Inspiring conversations with hopeful people make my heart happy. If you also love this episode, it would be amazing if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Five stars if you're into it. It's these reviews that encourage Apple to promote this podcast to their network. And the more people that listen, the more hope we can spread into the world. Don't forget to check out the show notes of this episode to find all the links to my guests, books, and other resources referenced in this episode. You'll also find the link back to my website where you will find additional support and resources for you, your team, and your community. I truly believe that the future will be better than today by taking action over the things we can control. And hearing from these guests on these episodes, I know that even more hopeful future is totally possible. I'm always looking for inspirational guests, so if you or anyone you know would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out. You can find me on the contact form of my website at expertinhope.com or by email at lindsay at When I was a teenager and my sisters were leaving the house to go out for the night, I always made it a point to remind them to call me if they need me. It was my way to tell them that I cared and would always be there for them. I'd love you to know the same, so all of you listening out there, call me if you need me. Again, thank you for your love and support of this podcast, my work in hope, and your intentional focus on making your future better than today. After all, hope without action is just a wish.